Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Praise the Lord for that awesome worship session. Praise the Lord that you are all here today, safe, sound, healthy, I hope. Anybody sick out there? Anybody, man, we had to get that flu mist stuff last week. Yuck. That stuff makes you feel horrible. But uh, feeling good today. Proud to say it. Glad to see you all here. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Keelan Miller. Everybody calls me Key. I'm the youth pastor here at Change Point Northeast and also a deacon. So uh, I'm glad to have you all here today. Our normal pastor is uh, Greg McCormick. I think Jose mentioned something about that earlier. He and his wife are out of town, so I'm speaking in his place. And uh, Pastor, I know you're listening to this at some point, so I thank you for this opportunity once again. Um, worship team already took off. Good. <laughs> Little ninjas back there, man. I thought they were still standing there. All right. Um, just to recap, last week we celebrated uh, our second year here at Change Point Northeast as a campus. Amen to that. I think that is awesome. I personally have never attended church in a high school. And honestly, uh, the three-fourths of those two years that I've been here, I don't even feel like I'm in a high school when I'm here. Um, our, our team does an awesome job setting up this auditorium and setting up this school to make it feel like a home, a body. We're only here for a couple hours, but it, it's very comfy, cozy, and I love it. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Me and my wife ran into Greg the first day we got here to Anchorage, and we have never been to another church, not for a Sunday service. This is our home, and I'm just proud to say that uh, we're here serving. If any of you have been coming and enjoyed, please get connected, get plugged in, and, and join us as we continue to move forward in this next year. Because even though it's been two years, I feel like we're just getting started because we're constantly doing what we can to reach out to the community. Okay. Um, so before that, Pastor Greg started in a sermons uh, or in a series in Philippians titled "A Life Poured Out," and that is where we're going to continue today. So if you have your Bibles with you, I ask that you open them up to Philippians chapter one. We're going to start in verse twelve and be reading down through verse twenty-one. But before we do any of that, everybody sees that I got on this uh, pink shirt here, right? First time wearing pink. I was very hesitant, but there's a reason. Many of you know that me and my wife are expecting a child, our very first one. And it's a girl. There you go. So this shirt is for my baby, Kamea Celine, who will be here February 2014. Praise the Lord. All right. So if somebody hasn't gotten a picture, take it now because this might not go back on. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe on a birthday or something. But, yes, we are very proud for that. God has blessed us tremendously in our life, in our marriage. Um, by the time the baby's here, we'll be uh, married seven years. So it's just a tremendous blessing. So just glad to share that all with my family because my daughter will soon be a part of this family, and I wouldn't choose another one here in Anchorage. Okay? Uh, before I continue, let me just lift up a word of prayer to God. Uh, bow with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for today. I thank you for this time. I thank you for the weather, Lord, even though it is cold. It is, it is what you have planned for us, Lord God. It is your weather, Lord. And uh, I just thank you for those people who are here today. Thank you for just allowing us to wake up and to worship you and to be a part of this world that you have created, Lord God. May our hearts and minds at this time just be set on you and what it is that you have for us today from this message of Philippians, Lord. From our brother, Paul, who is a faithful servant to you and to the sake of your kingdom, Lord God. So remove me from this situation right now, Lord God. Use me as your vessel. Speak through me. 
May only your words be heard, and may the hearts of your children in this place today be lifted up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. So reading in Philippians, this is a book written by, a letter written by Paul, who was in prison at the time. Um, He's writing to the church at Philippi, and he's encouraging them to continue on in the gospel, even through the circumstances that he's going through. So we're going to start there, and I've titled this message, What is Your Passion? Because through this, we're going we're gonna to learn what Paul's passion was. So as we read, I'm reading out of the New, Eng- New American Standard Bible. The verses are on the back here. For those of you who don't have a Bible available, and we're going to go ahead and start in uh, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greatest, greater progress of the gospel. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation, with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live, for me to live is Christ, and to die to die is gain. So what is Paul's passion? I think it's found clearly in the 20th verse, the part that says, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body. Paul is saying Christ will even now, that I am in jail, be exalted in my life here in prison just as he was when I was a free man. And he is verbalizing that although he's in prison, he's going to continue to raise the name of Jesus Christ, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to live a Christ-like life regardless of his circumstances. Going back to verse 12. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So what Paul is saying here is that his circumstances do not matter. He is passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether he be locked up or walking the earth freely, he is going to continue that ministry wherever he is through his life. He's putting everything bad that's going on to him aside for the sake of Jesus Christ. Now, I've never been in prison. I can only imagine how horrible that might be, especially back in the day, because Law wasn't the same as it is today. But even still, throughout these horrible circumstances, this man is saying that he's going to live his life for Christ no matter what. And he did. 
He preached the gospel to prison guards. He was bold in his faith in Jesus Christ. Moving on to verse 15. Some to be sure are preaching Christ even out of envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. Some are preaching from envy. Envy being defined as discontent or covetedness with regard to another's success and strife, competition, bitterness, discord. There are people, free people, not in prison, preaching the gospel to compete with Paul, a man that was in prison. They were preaching the gospel because they coveted him. Coveted a man that wasn't even free. He was in prison, and there were people out there set to look better than Paul did by preaching the gospel. Out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress. So first off, clearly Paul had some haters, just to make it plain and simple. He had a lot of people hating on him, which is crazy to think because he was locked up. Okay. And I feel like you, you got to be one bad dude to be in prison and have people out in the free world wanting to be better than you. Because the normal thought of a prisoner is they, they really don't have it going on. They don't have a good life. They're locked up. They're behind bars. They don't have the freedoms that we have. Why would anybody, honestly? And I'm not downplaying the life of a prisoner. But don't get me wrong. I, I like being free. Okay. <laughs> I feel that is a blessing that I've been given wisdom to live a crime-free life and to be able to enjoy my freedom. So automatically, that's a win for me. I have no desire to compete with anybody in prison in any way, shape, or form. So Paul had to be a bad dude for people to be thinking, man, this dude's locked up, but I still got to be better than him. I got to preach the gospel better than him. We got to make him look lowly. He's in prison. What? What else do you want? Okay. <laughs> I mean, does it really get any worse than that? But I think that just shows us, that's an example to us, how faithful Paul was in his mission to serve Christ. That even in prison, others felt that he was a threat to their personal status, to how they looked to other men. That he could threaten that from being locked up. Okay? Verse 18. How did Paul feel about this? He says it right in verse 18. What then? Only in every way whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Paul didn't care because all they were doing, they were preaching the gospel for their own reasons, but the gospel was still being preached, and Paul rejoiced in that because that was his passion. He didn't care why they were doing it. They were doing it. They weren't giving glory to God, but he wasn't worried about that because God's going to take his glory. It's his to, to have. You don't have to give it to him. He's going to take it. Through the gospel being preached, lives are going to be reached, and it's not going to be who's giving it to you. It's going to be the Holy Spirit that comes behind that gospel when people share that good word with you. So these men were out there, and they would think they were doing dirt, trying to hurt Paul, trying to get ahead, but all they were doing were furthering his ministry. They were furthering the ministry of Jesus Christ. And even in prison, Paul could rejoice in that. Plain and simple, his adversaries did not matter. His circumstances did not matter. He was locked up, no freedom. Couldn't be with his churches that he planted. Couldn't travel the world. 
spreading the gospel like he was once doing, didn't matter. People wanted to put him down and compete with him. People on the outside while he was locked up just to get ahead, didn't matter. Because throughout all this, he lived the life of Jesus Christ and the gospel was continuing to be proclaimed. Lastly, to Paul, he did not matter. I think the last two points kind of sum that up, but he put himself aside. Paul did nothing out of selfishness or personal gain. Paul preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ was solely for the furthering of God's kingdom. He completely removed himself, and we see that in verse 21. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To live is all for Christ, in me and through me. That's it. That's the only reason I'm here. That's what Paul, what Paul is saying. His whole life was to further the ministry of Jesus Christ. To live is Christ. That's it. That's what my life is. To die is gain. How many of you like living? Life is pretty good, right? Wake up every day, see your family, see your kids, eat, hang out. Life is nice. We're, that's our DNA. We're wired to preserve life, to live, to take care of ourselves, to take care of others. That's all a part of our DNA. And Paul says, to die is gain. Not that he didn't enjoy life, that he didn't enjoy doing the work of Jesus Christ, but he knew that through that life that he was glorifying Christ with, if he were to lose it, everybody would know why. There's no question, there shouldn't be any question between us or anybody else why, Christ, why Paul died and what he did before he died. Paul served Jesus Christ. From the time he met him on Damascus, throughout the rest of his life, that was his whole purpose. We read it all over the New Testament because half of it, over half of it, is accredited to Paul himself. So for him to die was gain, not his gain, but Christ's gain. If I lose my life here in this prison where I'm locked up for furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ is going to gain something. He's going to gain glory. So his own life didn't even matter. It was all about the glory of Jesus Christ. So right there in three thoughts, his circumstances, his adversaries, his own life didn't matter. His passion is clear, crystal clear through those three points. Which brings us to look at ourselves. What is our passion? What is your passion? What is it that you wake up and live for every day? What you strive for? What is it that you're willing to die for? It's your family, your friends, your job, especially those of us in the military. I can attest to that. I'm active duty Air Force, and I honestly, I struggle with it. I almost feel like I'm serving two masters sometimes. Here I am serving God and wanting to live my life all out for him. But then I'm in a, a position of employment, of service, where I have to do exactly what, I told, what I'm told when I'm told. They can call me right now and say, you're going to Afghanistan in 12 hours, pack your bags and go. It's either that or prison. I have to do it. And I almost feel like that's the only power that God should have over my life. But when I look at Paul and how he glorified Christ in everything, 
I have to stay focused on what I'm doing and why. I'm not in the Air Force by my own means. God led me there. So through that, I have to glorify him. But it's easy to get that twisted. For a while, the Air Force was the biggest and most important thing in my life. I put it before my wife. I kid you not. So we have to be careful on what we really believe our passions are. Because it's so easy to, to come to church every Sunday and then get right back in life those other six days. Because if we spend, what, maybe two hours here max, that's two hours out of 168. That leaves 166 other hours for us to decide to do something else. To decide not to worship God or to worship God or to go have fun, snow machine, ATV. But in all that, our sole purpose should still be to further the kingdom, to glorify God. We can do that in every single thing we do, from what we eat to what we wear to how we talk to people, what we watch on TV. If our passion is Christ, all of that is affected. Circumstances, our circumstances should matter. I just heard a story yesterday of uh, it was a, a testimony. Somebody shared a testimony. They were going through financial struggle. They were the sole breadwinner for their home, the only source of income for their family, and they were put out of a job for quite some time, 12 weeks, give or take. Now, I'm sure all of you can agree with me when I say 12 days is a long time in this economy to go without some kind of income, let alone 12 weeks. But shaking and suffering, this individual was not swayed at all by their passion to serve Jesus Christ. With no income, they continued to tithe. Now, some of you think of tithing. We've some maybe taught 10%, 15%, 20% or just general giving. But what percentage is it when you're giving from nothing? That is 100%. You're giving more than 100%. You're giving what you don't have. They accumulated debt to pay tithes. That is money that was not readily available, all because regardless of their circumstances, they chose to serve Jesus Christ the best way they knew how. And giving is something that God wants us to do. So they did it in the worst circumstances ever. They weren't even sure where they were going to get their next source of income. But they continued to tithe. And do not be surprised when I tell you that God blessed this family in a tremendous way. Not only did that individual get back into their job, back working, but throughout that 12 weeks, they were blessed with $5,000 from random sources. Gifted. They didn't ask for it. They didn't go out seeking it. They weren't calling family members, asking for a handout. People sought them out and gave them up to $5,000. That's God working. That is God being faithful to his children. Someone who chose to serve him all out regardless of their circumstances. That is the ultimate test of faith right there. And I would say they passed, A+. Because I think about it myself, and I don't know if I could personally do it. If I don't have any money to give, how am I going to give? 
That is faith at its best. So our circumstances should not matter. Nothing that we're going through should sway us if we are, in fact, believers in Jesus Christ and he is our passion, which go hand in hand. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, he better be our passion. We can't serve two masters, period. It's him or nothing. Bible says he'd rather us be hot or cold than lukewarm, or I'll spit you out of my mouth. What about our adversaries? What about the people that attack us? As Christians, we all have at least one enemy, and that's Satan, who's out to steal, kill, and destroy everything any way he can. Us, first and foremost, because we're his biggest threat. Should that matter? When we start getting attacked spiritually, physically, emotionally, do we just back up and say this is too much? This Christian thing, man, it's heavy. I can't do it. God's not here for me. Here my coworkers are trying to get me put out of a job, talking about me behind my back. Kids at school are picking on you. Does that mean you just walk away or you stop seeking God? Absolutely not. If anything, you should seek him even more. But if he's not your passion, how easy will it be for them to sway you from that? Because the first thing the devil wants to do is tell us that God isn't there. You're a sinner. You're doing wrong. These people are attacking you. God's letting it happen. He's not even there for you. That's a lie. Circumstances, attacks from the enemy, regardless, God is always with us. Whether we want to recognize it or not, he is there. So do not, we should not let our adversaries sway us from our passion for Jesus Christ. Because that's all that matters. And lastly, our personal lives. Service team, you can come up. Or worship team, you can come up, sorry. We, so easy to get caught up in ourselves today. You look at the device that most people have. How many of you have an iPhone, iPad, iTouch, I, I, I? I wonder how many times a day that word comes out of our mouths just because one of the biggest multimedia companies has titled their products with I. My kid's first word is probably going to be I because I lost my phone. I don't even say phone. You say that. You say, where's my phone? Some of you might, but I'm tore up. I say, where's my iPhone? It's special. <laughs> Can't just say phone. No, where's my iPhone? All right. Had one for like three years. It's not really that special anymore, but I still say I. Okay. The internet. My youth group, I'm going to put y'all on blast. Some of them don't know how to use a phone book. Not going to lie. Why? Because there's the internet. We played a game. I had them look up something in the phone book. Some of them couldn't find it. They didn't even know. Parents, educate your kids. <laughs> but we live in a world full of convenience. We don't have to work hard for anything. Shoot, we don't even have to turn pages in our Bibles. We can just look it up in our iPhones, on our iPads, on our iTouch. Kindle, you're not excluded. I know you're out there. <laughs> you're convenient too. So it's so easy to get caught up in me. I can get caught up in me. I don't want to. I don't feel like it. 
I don't have the money to tithe. I got to take care of this. I got to do that. How many times a day is it I, 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 me, me, me? When do you ever look to what God wants? God, what should I eat? I know it seems so petty, but sometimes that's just necessary. It should be that way. What should I be filling my body with? Should I be watching this on TV? We need to consult him in everything that we do. Because if we don't, we're going to lead our own selves astray. More than our circumstances, more than our adversaries, we can easily be our biggest enemy when it comes from being pushed away from our passion for Jesus Christ. So look deep within yourself now, an hour from now, today, tomorrow. And if you truly, truly, truly call yourself a servant of Jesus Christ, take a look at that servitude. Take a look at that life. Is that service that you're, you're giving to Jesus Christ? strong enough to continue if you were put away in prison today? Strong enough to continue if the enemy was able to take away everything you know, love, and care for in an instant? Would your passion still be to glorify God? If you died, what would people say? Man, it's sad they're gone. That person was awesome. They're so friendly. They took care of me. They did this. They did that. You had. But would they look to the life that you had to serve Jesus Christ? Would they say, man, that, that was a strong Christian. I heard their testimony and I've seen their life and they lived all out for Jesus Christ. That's all they knew. Because that should be the very first thing people think of us. We're Christians. We call ourselves believers of Jesus Christ. Hear the name Keelan Miller. I don't want people to think a staff sergeant in the U.S. Air Force. I want people to think of following Jesus Christ first and foremost, a man that loved his Savior. But for that to happen, he's got to be my passion. I've got to live it out fully, just as Paul did, just as he exemplified in his word. And yeah, it's hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, being a believer in Jesus Christ. And I'm sure all of you can agree with me when I say that. But that is not without good cause, because that is how we grow. There's no trials. There's no suffering. If you're not laid off a job for a little while to struggle and to make a decision whether you're going to continue to give money or not, how are you going to grow? It's just like raising our kids. Do we just give them everything? No, you got to make it hard for them so they can grow, so they can mature. Same thing goes for us in our, in our walk, in our life in Christ. So I tell you today, family, do not be discouraged in your circumstances. Do not let the enemy stray you from your passion in Jesus Christ because God is faithful. And if you serve him, no matter what, I promise you, 
this life is nothing compared to what he has for you. I feel guilty sometimes when I think, oh, this is a good life. No. That's a lie. But the eternity that I have promised to me, that's a good life. And that's forever. And that's what we all should be striving for. Not for our sake. Not because we want pearly gates. But because we want to spend an eternity worshiping the one who died a horrible death on the cross for the crap that we do every day. And that's why I leave you. What is your passion? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Paul our brother, how awesome is it to be able to call someone like Paul my brother? Just as Jesus Christ did, Paul set his life out for our good, to teach us who Jesus Christ was. And I thank him for that, Lord. I thank you for the words that he's written in the Bible for us to read and to meditate on and to learn from. I thank you for inspiring him to do that, Lord. Thank you for Jesus Christ who gave Paul that example, who gives us that example each and every day. So Lord, I ask that you just reach and touch each and every person in this room. If they know you, Lord, seek their hearts. Reveal to them anything that may be straying them away from you, away from their passion to serve you. And if they don't know you, Lord, call them. Touch them at this time in a very special way so that they can learn a new passion, possess a new passion, a passion that comes with promise and trials and suffering, but an everlasting eternity serving and worshiping you for your greatness, Lord God. And Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for giving us that opportunity. Because it is a gift that we truly do not deserve. I pray that no one in this room ever, ever takes it for granted, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.